Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and speaks to your heart. Enjoy the message. I, I, I never get tired of being here. I, I, I don't get tired of being able to gather and worship together and praise together and pray together and minister together and be ministered together. And I don't get tired of it because I've seen enough to know that what we have is an insane blessing. I mean, the freedom to gather, to me, I, I will never complain again that we have too many gatherings. Because if you only knew, if you only knew what happens in other countries and the persecution that they experience for even thinking or even doubting in their country's religion, you can literally lose your life because you don't conform to their belief system. But here in America, we have the privilege of complaining when there's another service. But I've, I've, I've learned to see that the opportunity to gather is a gift. And I don't want to be that person that sees a gift from God as a reason to complain. In the same manner, I was given the gift of ministry and the gift of speaking and ministering, preaching, if you'd like to give it a more specific title. But they're all gifts and we should be grateful for what we have. And I, for one, am learning that, and I'm in a process of understanding deeper and deeper the importance of learning that. But this morning, I want to I wanna become a vessel for the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you guys to stand. I think you've been sitting for at least 10 minutes. I think that's good enough. You can stand up right now. We're, we're going to pray, and um, I want us to be able to really, really focus in on what the Lord has, and over everything, I want us to be able to be ready. Everyone say ready. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Tell him, tell him, tell him, get ready. Tell him, get ready. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning because you are allowing us to be connected to the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower the Word this morning. We thank you, Father, that you have placed in our hearts space to receive a word from you today. I ask you, Father, that you would infiltrate right now every mind, every heart in this place, that they would receive what you have for them today. Every person watching through that camera, let them receive a word specific to their situation specific to their doubt right now in jesus name we thank you for your word and we say amen and amen before you take a seat because i know you're like oh oh, okay now i want to just start off by grabbing our bibles and going to the book of exodus chapter six why don't you grab your bibles we're going to read scripture this morning and um, why, why, why are we doing it standing up, Kevin? Why not? I like changing things up a little bit. I want to read scripture, and then I want to dive deep into the word 
that the Lord has for us. Exodus chapter 6. Um, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. You can read out of yours. We're going to read verse 1 through 9, and then we're going to allow the Word of God to do what it does best, and that is radically blow our minds. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1 through 9 says this, promises of deliverance. Everyone say deliverance. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he, flee, when he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. Talk about exclusivity right there. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they, will, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel and who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. Somebody say, God doesn't forget. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. Someone say freedom. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. And they screamed with joy and, and waited with faith, knowing the Lord was faithful. What do you mean, no? Is that, is that not what your Bible says? Oh, I'm sorry. It says, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Talk about what just happened. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. We thank you for your word, God, and let it speak today. Now, I wanted to read all of this to be able to understand what it is we're going to be diving into today. But I, I want to make a couple of comments before we explain and expand. Everyone say, explain and expand. If you ever study scripture, always ask the Holy Spirit to explain it to you, but also to expand it. If you're in, interested in learning how to grow through explanation and expansion is how you're able to f find and learn. And this is how the Holy Spirit likes to reveal. Now, I want to ask you this. Is, that, is anyone a puzzle person here? You like solving puzzles? You like wasting time with a puzzle? <laughs> you know, where you would invest hours into this thing that you know, they show you the final picture, but then they give you the pieces that are all broken up and messed up, and it's up to you to fix it. 
and you have to invest five, six, seven, eight hours into something that's already made, but you're the one choosing to invest your time in that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big puzzle person. And there's people that really, really enjoy puzzles. Those people are weird because I don't understand why you would want to... Never mind. Puzzles. Something I don't understand. But there's, there's a reason why puzzles exist. Essentially, a puzzle is designed to challenge your mind and test your patience. I personally don't think that I possess enough patience to finish a puzzle. This week, um, during summer school, I, you know, I was giving my kids a break and I gave them a puzzle. And, I, and it's this, this, this special puzzle that if you solve it, the finished product is a QR code, uh, something that, that you would scan, and it actually gives you cash, a, a cash prize. And there's actually one of them that's worth a million dollars. So I was like, I'm going to get these kids to solve it for me, and then I'm going to be a millionaire, and I can retire. Um, but I gave them these, these puzzles and, you know, thinking, well, I mean, if they finish it, great. If not, well, you know, whatever. It's fine. And as they got the pieces, one, uh, there was a, a couple kids that were like, oh, yes, I love puzzles. Okay. So I gave them the puzzles, and they were working on it and doing everything. And then they were like, sir, but what's it supposed to look like? And I told them, well, look at the box. And they, they were looking at the box. They were looking for a picture of a puppy or, or a house or a farm. And I told them, no, flip the box over this little black and white square. Yeah, that's the final picture. And they looked at me like, well, this is impossible. I told them, yeah, but it can be worth a million dollars. So get to work. And they were there working on it. And they were doing all these things. And then, you know, in the, in the span of them working on it, I noticed that as they were doing it, they, were, they would put pieces together that didn't fit. And more and more, they were just like, their energy level went from, oh, this is going to be so cool, to, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. I don't get it. None of the pieces fit. And I began to, to, to think about that. And it, and it kind of dawned on me how our life is like a puzzle. And we have to understand that often the life that we get is not interchangeable. We cannot exchange our life for somebody else's just because it seems like it's better. And I, I want you to say this morning's sermon title with me. Say, Making Peace with the Missing Pieces. Making Peace with the Missing Pieces. Have you ever wondered about missing pieces in your life? Where you feel like there's something missing and it's really affecting you. Where you are thinking, I should have this. Or I should have never lost this. I should still be married. Or I should be married by now. Anyone ever feel like you're missing something? I should have so much money. I should have, I shouldn't have all these problems. And there's just something that is wrong. And it feels like something is just missing. But I want to tell you that God has carefully and perfectly 
organized everything in our lives that we will ever need, that we will encounter, that we will struggle with, that we will fight against, but that we will also walk over. There is nothing in your life today that is out of place. Wait, wait, time out, Pastor Kevin, hold on. So the mess that I'm in, I'm supposed to be in it? Exactly. So you're saying that the problem I have, I'm supposed to have it precisely. So you're saying that my pain, I'm supposed to be going through it? Yes. There is nothing outside of the hand of God that has slipped his caution. Nothing outside of the will of God is allowed in your life. There is something so amazing knowing that everything in our life has already been taken care of. And I'm a firm believer that pain produces productivity. As we endure and we suffer and we have to go through moments that are uncomfortable, painful, hurtful, they produce great things when we allow God to process us. Pain is a mere processing tool. Pain allows us to see the bigger picture even when we don't want to. God has already taken into consideration the human factor, which in essence is our ability to make mistakes. When God wrote out your plan and mine, he already knew, okay, Kevin is not going to pass the first time, so I'm going to give him this. He's going to fail again, but then he's going to get it the third time. Then he's going to do well for a couple of years, but then he's going to make this mistake, so I'm going to allow this to happen. And he's already carefully mapped out everything in our life because he knows that we will mess if you don't think you will, newsflash, you will. Everything in our nature screams failure. Anyone motivated yet this morning? Everything in our humanity is designed to decay and end up in a very warm place. That's our human nature. That is our humanity. But I'm thankful that through Christ on the cross, God did not redeem our humanity. He redeemed our spirit. And we, in fact, if you don't know this, we are spiritual beings. We're just encased in this hard shell of a human body. And nowadays, there's this fandom where you have to, you know, perfect your body and you have to do all these things to make your flesh look perfect and wanted and desired, but your inner spiritual being, and you can leave that alone. But we and our errors and mistakes have already been accounted for. They don't surprise God when you choose the wrong decision. How many of you are thankful for that? I'm thankful that God always provides an avenue when I provide a mistake. He always provides a solution when I simply give him more problems. 
And I'm thankful that we have a God that is patient. Everyone say patient. Man, do we really, really, really sometimes need to learn how patient God is with us. Now in this season that we are experiencing with troubles and difficulties and pains, there is something that we need to understand about God's plan for our lives. And the sooner that we come to terms with the sovereignty of God and His plan for us, the sooner we will be able to walk in peace, abide in peace. We have to learn to make peace with missing pieces. Now, I want you to touch three people and tell them, make peace with missing pieces. Touch three people and tell them, make peace, make peace, make peace. I said three people, not just yourself. Come on, touch somebody. Tell them, tell them, make peace. Because if we're honest, this morning... Most of us, not all of us, have an area in our lives where we're not walking in peace. There is something within us that is still living in fear and anxiety. The ability to know that God is in control is more so than just a cliche, pretty saying. It's a promise that mankind has cliched in order to take away from the reality that God is really in control. And we read here, you know, the title of this chapter in the book of Exodus says, Promises of Deliverance. And we see that God is telling Moses, I'm going to set my people free, and Pharaoh himself is not going to be able to do a darn thing about it, and he's even going to push them out because he's going to feel my power. If I was Moses, I would have been like just losing it because of how intense and amazing that must have felt to receive such a word from God. And then Moses shows up and he tells the people of Israel and he's expecting a revival, but what does he get instead? They stopped listening. Meaning he wasn't even done talking before people left. He wasn't even done giving them the promise of God before they allowed their current circumstance to dictate their mentality. Have you ever allowed your current situation to tell you what your future is going to hold? You're suffering today, so you're going to suffer forever. You're enduring hardship today, so that's going to be your future. Did you catch what happened with the people of Israel? The people in Israel had been reconditioned to think that oppression and suffering and pain was their only way of life. This was after God had revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was after God had spoken to Abraham telling him, I'm going to make you a father of multitudes and your people will be my people and I will be their God and I will take them to the promised land and God promised Abraham everything but then as time passed what happened they allowed their current circumstance to speak to a future 
that they thought was theirs forever. They refused to listen anymore. So in other words, they began to listen at first. Oh, this, this guy Moses t- is telling us something. But when he started to mention something in, inside of them told them, wait, I've already heard this before. That sounds familiar. I feel like somebody mentioned that. But look where we're at. Nah, this, guy's, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And they began to leave. Because what the Lord was saying to them in their point of view, was not true because he had already said it once before. But this is often the current condition of a believer, that we allow our current circumstance to be the voice of our future. You suffer today and you will suffer tomorrow. And after tomorrow, you will suffer again. And we believe that that is actually our final word. But guess what? Who holds the final word? The Lord. El Shaddai. Yahweh. He holds the final word. So understand this, that often people tend to focus on the things that are going wrong or the things that they do not have. When's the last time that you didn't mention what you were missing? When's the last time that you focused only on the missing pieces of your life? And I mentioned that our life is like a puzzle. In all these different moments and circumstances and events are designed for us to be able to, at the end of our picture, we're supposed to reflect something But the fact of the matter is, is that we tend to only look at the spaces that are unoccupied. You can have a house, you can have a family, you can have a little bit of money in the bank, you can have a good job, you can have friends, you can have children, and you'll still focus on what you don't have. I myself have been a victim of this. I shouldn't say victim. I myself have been a participant of this because we're not victims no we choose to participate or not it's hard to think about what i have when what i'm missing is far greater it's hard to think about the good things kevin when there's just so many bad things in my life Allow me to just bring back a little bit of what I mentioned on Wednesday about hypothetical situations. The devil will make you live in a hypothetical in order to keep you away from reality, as we mentioned on Wednesday. The reality of things are, is if you consistently live in a hypothetical scenario, you will consistently live in defeat. Because hypothetically isn't a reality. It's simply meant to make you think. And often we allow hypotheticals to become a reality. The devil lives in the hypothetical, but God abides in the present. Where do you choose or where do you desire to live? 
consistently living in a hypothetical, but what if this happens, and what if this, and what if that, and what if, and what if, and what if none of that ever happens? What if God says today is the last day? And you spent all this time living over there and God was here and you missed it. Because you were so focused on something that wasn't even happening. The people of Israel had received a promise. This was a reality. The Lord said, I will take you into the land of Canaan, a promised land where you will take possession of the land and that will be yours. The Lord promised the Israelites. And he told them, you will be my people and I will be your God. But their present day situation was as slaves to the Egyptians. They weren't even human beings anymore. They were mere property. They were just things. What promises have you received from God but are living in a completely different scenario than what you were promised. God promised you something, but you're not even close to it today. Have you received a promise from God? If you haven't, I encourage you to seek the word in the word and have it speak to you. But we have to remember the thing about a promise. Promises do not abide by our mere desires or our ability to, you know, make them. We simply receive them. Because if we could peek into our future and promise our past self, hey, this is going to happen, would, would that require faith? No, because you would already see it. God promises things that the only way to see it is if we have faith for it. God promises a young businessman by the name of Vicente that, you know, hey, you're, you're, you're going to have a great business one day, but he's there thinking, well, I just lost a house. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm going to be successful, but I'm losing... And often things don't make sense. But does our current situation dictate the promise of God? What God says is a reality. It is going to happen. Now, God is saying it because he exists outside of time. Okay? Time, matter, space. The three things that govern our universe, God exists outside of it because he is the divine creator. Okay? If you ever want to learn more about that, I recommend you study it or you invite me to a dinner and we'll have a great conversation about it. But God abides outside of time. So when he says, I will give you, you have it. We're just not there yet. Because it takes faith to believe that what he is saying and what I'm looking at will eventually align themselves. Now, if you are in need of a promise, if you've never even received a promise or you don't even know how to start the process of receiving a promise from God, let me give you one this morning for free. God promises peace in the midst of a storm. 
That is a God-given promise that every single believer needs to possess in their arsenal. An arsenal is a place in which you store weaponry. Promises of God are weapons of warfare. Because when the enemy comes to fight and bully and intimidate, you're able to defend yourself by saying, Thus said the Lord. So devil may tell me that I'm a failure for life, but the Lord says that I am more than a conqueror, and I'd rather live in this word than this lie. But see, if you don't fill your arsenal with war, with weapons of war, then what are you fighting with? You're swinging at the devil with your emotions. And eventually, you'll get tired. Swinging at the wind will eventually you will beat yourself. And it's important for you to understand that in your life, you will always be missing things if that's how you choose to perceive it. If I was to always allow myself to focus on everything that I'm missing, on everything that I don't have today, I would not be able to stand here today, let alone minister to somebody else about hope about peace. Though I am in need of both of those things, the Lord has allowed me a certain level of walking in those things because of a process. Now, is my process finished? No. Is your process finished? Everyone say, no. But you got to do the hands. No. Interact with me. Come on. It's okay. No. Now, in, in your ability to understand that when God promises, he's giving you a piece to the puzzle of your life. He's saying, okay, I promise to be with you. So we take that piece and we say, okay, Lord, where, where, where does it go in our life that we're completing here? And he shows us this needs to be a core value in your belief system. So we put the piece there and, okay, it's looking a little bit better. But then we, again, remember, but Lord, I'm missing so many other pieces. And I'm here to tell someone today that you may be missing a whole lot of pieces. That your current situation, your current pain, confusion, and doubt, and stressful situation is not your final place. It's a mere stepping stone to where you are designed to eventually live in. Everything that you are experiencing in your life has a reason. It has a purpose into which why you are experiencing what you're experiencing. Consider, have you considered my servant Job? God told Satan. Job chapter 1. Um, the heavenly courts gathered and God was there and then the devil was kind of slithering around and God says, where did you come from? And he said, I'm just hanging out. And then God decides to brag about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? And then the devil, because he's petty like that, well, yeah, he only does, he only does your will because you protect him. And God said, oh, really? Okay. I'm going to allow you to destroy everything he has 
everything he owns, everything he loves. So the devil did that. Did you know that Job's net worth in modern times would, would have been estimated around $56.5 million? $56.5 million was his estimated net worth. If we put it in, obviously, in modern times, right? $56 million. $57 million. That was his net worth. The richest being <laughs> he had, I think it was like 7,000 uh, 7, sheep and 3,000 camels and 300 donkeys and all that. He just had, he had a lot. And from one day to another, if you read the book of Job, you see that in one instant, one moment, four servants showed up and told him, you lost all your camels, you lost all your donkeys, all of your children are dead and your entire land has been burned. In other words, you went from 57 million to broke in one moment. Read it. Read the book of Job. It's 42 chapters, but it's going to keep you like this. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's crazy. And now you, Job could have easily said, God, hello, I think you messed up here because I was filthy rich and I was living a good life and I was doing all these things and I was faithful and now I have nothing. Talk about missing something. Talk about things not adding up. But spoiler alert, you have to read the end of the chapter to figure out what happens. But the people of Israel had received a promise. But what they were living and looking at did not align to what God had spoken. Let me tell you something about the word of God. Until you believe it, you're not going to see it. You can be in church for 20 years and still not believe and you will not see it. Because the word of God is activated by the element of faith. If you believe that what God said is real and true, you will see it. When? When you see it. We want everything now. Lord, I believe. Where is it? I, I'm, I'm believing right now. Let me see it now. It's not the way faith works. Faith is the process of waiting. That's where God is found. God is in. He's inside of the waiting. Because if he was outside of waiting, then he would be a God of of self-gratification or instant gratification. And that is not God. God doesn't tender to the human nature. Our nature is we want things now. We want things quick. When we, you know, we get to a restaurant and we expect the table in two minutes. And when we sit down, we, we want the waiter to be right there, already ready. And when we order our food, two minutes later, hey, my food, we're, we want things quick. That's our human nature. And our human nature is rotten and kind of stinky. But you have to understand that your experience today is designed, everyone say designed, with a purpose in mind. It's not random and you're not just going and existing in this land, in this universe that we call earth. There is a reason into which you were born the year you were born, the day you were born. You were named what you were named. You had the parents that you had. You have everything in your life is designed for a reason. But often people forget that God is the beginning and the end, and they quit halfway through. 
or they think that they know better than the one that wrote the story. It's like literature teachers or English teachers, no offense, Chelsea, that are trying to interpret a book and sometimes, in Arturo too, you know, the author wrote, and the sky is blue, and the teacher's like, what do you think he meant by the sky is blue? Did it mean the oppression of society? The sky was blue, so he wrote the sky is blue. We, rid- we ridiculously expand something when in, in, in reality it's just a simple truth. And, we, and we, we have to understand that God is the one that wrote it. We're not here to interpret it. We're here to abide in it. And let me tell you that abiding within the presence and within the purpose of God is exactly where you want to be. Why? Because everything within that atmosphere is in the same atmosphere of heaven. If you're needing peace, live in the atmosphere of peace. If you're needing strength, live in the atmosphere of strength. If you're needing courage, live within the atmosphere of courage. If you're needing faith, live within the atmosphere of faith. But often we need these things, but we live in the exact opposite. We need boldness, but we surround ourselves with weaklings. We need courage, but we surround ourselves with doubters. We need faith, and we surround ourselves with fear. We often choose well, you know what, God, yeah, the sermon was nice and all, but I just, I just don't know. How do I know that he's telling the truth? You may be in a desert today, but like the people of Israel, eventually, after 40 years, they reached the promised land. Do you know that that was supposed to be an 11-day trip? from when they crossed the Red Sea to the land that flows milk and honey was supposed to be 11 days? 11 days. It took them 40 years. Why? Because they focused on what they did not have. Moses, in Egypt we had food. Yeah, but you also got beat half to death. In Egypt we were able to, yeah, but you were also going hungry almost every night. But over here we had, yeah, but you were also a slave. The people of Israel were reconditioned in their mentality to think that suffering was actually better than being set free. I think I, think I touched it. I think I touched that, that little fiber. We are almost like masochists. We enjoy the suffering. We enjoy the self-pity. We enjoy feeling sorry for ourselves. Ooh, yeah, I felt that. We enjoy living in slavery. Because the rules within slavery are these. You can do whatever you want. But the rules in freedom is abide in my will. Obey my commandments, and you will live a longevity of days. But we, we, we don't like those first little characteristics. What do you mean do what you want me to do? What do you mean obey? Your failure to live within the will of God and obey the commandments of God is what got you into prison in the first place. But here's the thing. The 11-day journey be- became 40 years because they chose to focus on everything that they did not have. Moses himself and the elders, the older people, 
didn't, were not allowed to enter the promised land. Did you know that? If you ever read scripture in that area, they weren't allowed to enter because their mentality never changed. It was because of the younger ones. It was because of Joshua and the younger ones that the Lord said, this gen- from this line going this way, you will enter because you got it. You understood. So do, where do you fall in this category? And the ones that are in church for their whole lives but never actually enter the will of the Lord? Or are you in the ones that say, that's it, I'm done living the same. I'm done doing the same thing. I'm done pretending that I'm a Christian. When you come to terms that, you are, that I, you and I, we're both sinners in need of a Savior, is when the process can begin. You may be in a desert where nothing makes sense, where everything just seems like it's going wrong. You decide, okay, God, I'm going to be serious with you. I'm going to forever and ever live for your glory, and I vow my heart, my life, my children, my spouse to you, and my house will serve the Lord, and you begin on fire, but then everything just goes horribly wrong. But God. But then God will do exceedingly and abundantly when we understand that our life is in the hands of the way maker. He is the alpha, he is the omega, and what he has written about you cannot be changed nor erased because he's already spoken it. If you're going to clap for that, clap for that. Now, he made a way, and in those ways, he provides answers and solutions. Now, when we're living our lives and, when, and we're experiencing all these things and we're going through all of these moments where we're just like, Lord, I am missing so much in my life. I, I thought that by the time I was 28 that I would have this, 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 this. I, I, I thought that I would be rich and have a career and have all these things, and I have none of that. And when we understand that living within the will of God doesn't mean God will align to your desires and your goals. The only goal that the Lord is responsible for is what He has set. If He sets it, He will ensure that it gets accomplished. But just because you want to be a millionaire at 35 doesn't really mean that God's going to grant you that. Just because you want to be, you know, married by a certain age doesn't mean God will say you're going to do it. I mean, if it, if, if, if it wasn't for me, Wendy would still be single. She'd still, she wouldn't be married, right? Hopefully. But vice versa, if it wasn't for her, where would I be? If it wasn't for the Lord, where would we be? I asked that question in our young adults men- mentoring on Friday. Where would we be if not for the love of God? Oh, man, and it took me back. And, you know, some, some of the people that were opened up about where they, you know, honestly, where they would be. And the truth of the fact is we'd all be horrendously lost. But I don't want us to be. 
I cannot stand here and idly watch you decide that you're going to live your life the way you want, outside of the will of God, not crossing into the promised land simply because you're not able to make peace with what you're missing. Now, when we think about a puzzle and we think about pieces, each piece has an objective that they have to accomplish. The objective is to go where they're supposed to go. They have a designated spot. They have designated pieces that will attach to it, correct? Now, there's, multiple, there's many strategies, apparently. The best strategy, if you, you want to do puzzles, is you always build the frame first. Why? Because then you know that everything else has to go inside, right? The Lord has framed our life. He's already provided even that. He's provided us exactly where we need to abide. And everything that he has promised us will fall into the frame. The objective of a puzzle, what is it? It's simple, to use broken pieces to recreate a specific image. In other words, every piece in that box has a designated place. Now, if you were to take two different puzzles and you try to interchange their pieces, would you, able, would you, would you ever be able to finish both of, of the puzzles? Both of them, by definition, would be incomplete. If you take a puzzle and you lose a piece, could you finish? No, because there will always be a missing piece. There would be progress in both scenarios. You would be able to make progress, but you would never be able to finish. And there are so many believers that think, I'm fine because I'm making progress. I'm okay because I'm doing all right right now. Yeah, but eventually you're going to realize, wait a minute, this piece doesn't belong in my box. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to have 50 pieces and I only have 38. What's going on? One of the biggest things that we have to understand, and it's something that Pastor has, had, has mentioned for years since I am able to re- remember in these last 16 years. He's, he's mentioned it so many times. But I, I kind of phrase it in this way. You cannot grab pieces from other people's boxes and expect it to fit into your puzzle. Everyone moves at a different pace, and that is a, re- a real thing. Just because in my life I am where I am and you're not, it doesn't mean that you're never going to get there. I remember when I was younger, you know, and a lot of my friends from college were getting married and, you know, get, getting these amazing jobs and progressing and buying houses right early on. And they were, you know, even finishing paying their student loans in a year and all these things. And I was... And I was thinking to myself, well, that's not fair. And what I thought was God's mistake was actually God's process. When I thought that everyone was passing me and just advancing and I was being left in the dirt, God was saying, nobody told you to take pieces from their life. Who told you that you needed to have 
a perfect job right after college? Who told you that you were supposed to be, you know, college debt-free after six months? Who told you that you were supposed to be married by the time you left college? And I was so conflicted at the fact that everybody's puzzles made more sense than mine. So in that process of me wanting their pieces, I was not living in peace. I was living in everything else. Fear, anxiety, rejection, apathy. And I couldn't come to terms with the idea that God, you promised. But I'm not living in it. And there are other promises that I don't, feel the need to share because they're personal to my life and to my marriage and but I'm still haven't seen a lot of promises of God but let me ask you this just because I haven't seen it does it mean that it cannot happen we use the basic element of oxygen do we see it no but do we breathe it in we have to remember that if God is the one that sustains everything with the word of his mouth. Who's to say that what he has spoken over you is not going to happen? In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, Son, you take the morning shift, night, you take the night shift. And the moon didn't say, but I'm, I'm more of a morning person. I don't like being alone at night. It's dark and scary. No, the moon said, you want me to, to, to be the night shift person? I will pull all-nighters for the rest of eternity just because you spoke it. When he told the birds, you will fly, the birds said, how high? When he told the grass, come up and provide fruit, the grass didn't question why. When he created everything and he spoke it with his word and everything fell into place, it's funny that the only thing that complained and talked back was when he made mankind. He made us and things were great, but then we began to make the mistakes. Did God really say, said the snake, and the woman said, well, actually, and then things went downhill. And then we have to understand, church, that the whole process of church is not for you and I to come and, you know, we, we come to church and we sit in the chair that we always sit in because it's my, it's my chair at church, right? And we take ownership of these places and then we're here and, you know, we're listening to a sermon and we're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And within us, it's like we're boiling up and we're just like, oh, man, this makes so much sense. But, I, but then we begin to think about, yeah, it makes so much sense, but my life, my, my life doesn't reflect any of that. I don't see any of that. I'm missing so many things in my life. You know what? Maybe, maybe that's not the real truth for me. Often people believe that God doesn't promise them, but he promises every, everybody else. When God promises, it's a promise. Is it exclusive? No. He promises peace. He promised me peace. Well, where'd you get that promise? Well, his word says it. He promised to love me. Well, where does that say it? Um, the book in your lap says it. God promises these things, but we're the ones that often don't believe it. 
we read it and say, oh, that promise sounds great. That makes so much sense for them, but not for me. I'm not there. And let me tell you, church, that is a lie from hell that unless you have the guts and the courage to renounce that lie, your life will always be in a 40-year journey when it was supposed to take 11 days. If you continuously wrap your mind around the thought that what God says is not for you, you are trusting the devil, the father of lies. The devil says that the word of God doesn't apply to you because you're too useless, you're too sinful, you're too broken, no one's going to like you, everyone's going to reject you, you're not good enough, you don't smell good enough, you don't look good enough, you don't talk good enough, you're too short, you're too tall, you're too thin, you're too big. In other words, the devil will always tell you what's wrong with you. And that's why you're not qualified for the love or the purpose of God. But God says, no, I died. Jesus died for you. That's why you have what you have. Despite everything else that is wrong with you or wrong with me, Despite all of those things, church, understand it, that despite everything wrong with us, we are still qualified to sit at the right hand of the Father. And that is exactly where the Lord desires you and I to be able to abide. That is the, re- that is the reality of our situation is that we are called to sit next to the Father. Oh man, I, if you get something, get this, that just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not real. Oh my goodness, okay. You have to understand, church, that when we realize that God is actually real and what he says is real and he is actually working and moving and doing things on our behalf and we finally believe that that is something for us, your life will never, ever be the same. When you believe that what God is saying to me is actually for me and you begin to walk it out, your life will never be the same. Your habits will never be the same. The way you think will never be the same. The way you treat others will never be the same. You and your children will never be the same because what he says is real and faith is the element that allows us to carry it out and walk it out and experience it and live it. I'm so sorry, Len. I lost myself on that. Hopefully she can catch up if you're listening in Spanish. She's fine. She's been translating me for years, so she should know better. I always send her the notes, but I usually don't follow them. I just, I'm just like, God, God, God bless you in that room. I'm, just, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. But if, oh, I love it. Because the reality, guys, church, family, friends, mother, daughter, parents, Brother, father, all of us need to understand that when we believe what the word says, the word was there at the beginning, and the word was made flesh, and because he was made flesh, he put the seal on what was spoken over you and what was spoken over me, and because he sealed it, it's a reality needing to be believed for to experience. That is where we're living here today. When you believe the word of God, you will experience the reality of the word. That is what we're needing to get to today. And if you keep pushing me, I'll keep going. Okay, I'll keep going. 
You cannot live the rest of your life trying to pick at pieces from somebody else's puzzle. It's not going to fit. It's not designed to fit. If everything in my life you could take and fit into yours, a lot of the things you wouldn't want because they're not designed for you. Just this, this week alone, ministry-wise, was a heavy week for me, or heavy last two weeks, because I prepared for last Sunday, and I prepared for Wednesday, prepared for Friday, prepared for today, I have to prepare for Wednesday again, and then next Sunday again. Now you may think, oh, wow, you know, that's so great. Sometimes, sometimes it's exhausting. Now, it, but see, that's for me. That's my piece of the puzzle. Who wants that piece of the puzzle? Now, does that mean that it's exclusive? No. Because God can say, if you want to be a minister of my word, guess what? It was already written for your puzzle. It's, it's, it's already going your way. So if you truly aspire to be a minister of the word of God, prepare yourself. For what? For the moment. When is it coming? When it happens. But you don't want to be caught in a gunfight with no bullets. You want to make sure that you're locked and loaded. You want to make sure that you're not just carrying around one clip with you because you can go bang, 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 and if you don't kill it, you're going to need another clip. Or if you're out there ministering and you're shooting your shots, you want to make sure that everyone has enough to receive. My dad told me years ago, always stay loaded. And now more than ever, it does that make sense. And I encourage anyone that is pursuing something ministry related, whether it's ministering with the position of a microphone or not, or with the children, or in street ministry, or in prayer ministry, whatever interest you have, arm yourself, load yourself, prepare, because when the time comes, you don't want to be saying, I'm not ready. Don't spend your time and don't waste your time trying to force a piece that's not supposed to go there. I'm supposed to be filthy rich. Lord, this piece does not fit. And God is saying, that's not, that's not even a puzzle piece. That's a prideful piece. We, we want things to fit because we believe that we deserve them. What we deserved is hell. But what we got was grace. We deserve death, but what we got was purpose. So never believe that you are entitled to something. Always understand that what you have been given is given by grace. And if you have it, share it. Well, God gave it to me. Yeah, God also gave his son to us. If God was selfish, he would have kept his son and just done a whole other flood. But what did he do in the first flood? He promised never again. And boy, he says, he's been faithful to that promise. Because if I was God, I would have flooded this place a while ago, especially in the month of June. But I'm not, I'm not going to. I, I told myself I wouldn't go there today. If you were supposed to have that peace from the beginning, guess what? It would have come in your box. 
if you are supposed to have a specific piece that you have been trying to force into your life, into your puzzle, it would have been in your box. Don't go chasing other people's pieces because you don't know what they had to go through to get it. You don't know what devils they had to fight. You don't know what bears they had to encounter. Everyone says, yeah, you know, I want to be like David and do all these things. Really? You, do, do you know how it feels to fight a giant with a slingshot? You, you really want that fight because if you miss, you're dead. We say, yeah, I want to be like those three Hebrew boys in the fire. Really? Because if you doubt, you're be stick. Burned up, chopped up, done, dead. And the fact of the matter is you don't know how God had to process them to get to where they were going. You don't know what the person is enduring even next to you. So instead of complaining, well, how come they have it? Thank God that maybe, thank you, Lord, for not giving me that peace. And thank you, Lord, for giving me the pieces that I have. Because every piece comes with a promise. We have to learn to make peace with the missing pieces. Now, though we were all made in the image and likeness of God, which is found in Genesis 1, let us make man according to our image and our likeness. The beautiful thing about having the same model as far as where we come from is that we were made unique. We all come from one, but we're made so different. What's inside of us is the same. The essence of God, the spirit of God. But our exterior, if we look at each other, we're all different. We may share similarities. Like Sarah told me that from, from the back of my head, I look like Brian. I would have never thought that. I've always felt that between Brian and Fernie, they, they, they almost look like identical twins. But though we may look similar, we're very different. And that pleases God. That is a good thing. We are all one-of-a-kind people. Now with that uniqueness, God has placed exactly what is needed for you, not only to overcome in your trials and tribulations, but that you may also eventually lead others through theirs. Though we are all creating our own individual puzzle, and this is, this, this is what blew my mind, all of us are a different puzzle. And God is building our life and building our pieces and showing us where everything goes. But the fact of the matter is that my puzzle is designed to be next to Wendy's puzzle. Completed fully. Because as we gather together, as we grow and we develop and we mature and we begin to realize that our life and our puzzle is not actually meant to show us, it's meant to, refe- to reveal the glory of God. So when we come together, my puzzle was designed to be linked to Wendy's. And Wendy's is designed to, to link with Oliver and Olivia. And us together are designed to link with Madrigamas. And, and we're all linked together. At the end of our puzzles, we see the glory of God. But often we're so focused on, well, how come she gets that piece? How come her puzzle looks more finished? How come her puzzle looks better? How come her puzzle? And how come their puzzle? And we're so focused at pointing at why everybody's puzzle. And then that's why, we can, why God can't finish with ours. 
because we're so focused on everybody else and their things and their agendas and everything that they have to endure. But we don't realize that at the end of all of this, the purpose is for the glory of God to be revealed. Through creating, our all, through creating our own individual puzzles, when they are placed together as they should be, it reveals the final image, which is the second coming of Christ in all of his glory. Because the Bible promises when the four corners of, of the earth are exposed to Jesus, to the gospel of life, he will return. Now, the way God designed your puzzle to be built is at one piece at a time. He does not give you everything at once. If God gave you everything at once in your life, you would have quit by now because you wouldn't have the understanding as to why you have the peace you have. So this is, this is how the Lord showed me that our life is being put together. We have a box, and if you shake the box, it makes no noise. But when you reach into the box, you pull a piece. Now, let me remind you, he's already built, he has framed our life. He's already built the frame of our puzzle, of our life, with his word. We are responsible to, to carry out the mission willingly, lovingly, faithfully, genuinely, truly, taking piece by piece. Lord, are you sure I'm supposed to have this piece? Lord, I... Are you sure I'm supposed to have a special needs son? Are you sure? The Lord says, yes. You don't see why. I see why. But you will eventually understand. Okay, God. I don't know why. But it's faith. We don't, we're not called to know why. We're called to trust. And here's the thing. He knows how your finished product will look like. But we don't. Because if we were to see our final finished person, you know what our response would be? That's never going to happen. I'm, I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to sound like that, talk like that, walk like that, pray like that, worship like that, preach like that, minister like that, impart to that, parent like that, lead, lead like that, be as humble, be as obedient, be as faithful. I'm never going to be those things. So the Lord says, to keep you from living in doubt already, I'm going to give you one piece at a time. And I'm going to process you through every piece so that you understand why the piece goes where it goes. And as you're going through that, the devil will in try to intimidate you as best as he knows how. Through situations, through trials. But you know one thing that I love about God is that he even dictates what the, what the devil can do. That's that illustration, one person got it. That illustration or from Scripture, from Job, that the devil had to ask God for permission. He could never have touched Job's life even if he had sent the entire legions of demons against him because God said no. He spoke it. He was protected. So what did the devil do? Allow me. And God said, okay. And then the devil was able to do it. 
So even in your own life, in your struggles, and in, in, in your attacks and all of these different things, when they're, not, when they're not the outcome of an open door, they're the outcome of God allowing it. Because, do I have, I have time? Because there's two different things. If you are legally allowing the devil to operate in your life because you're living in sin, that's your fault. That's your mistake. That is on you. But the, but the devil can only operate in your life when you're living in faithfulness and you're living for the glory of God. God allows him to test you, to try you for the purpose of growth, of maturity, for the purpose of elevation. But when you are the one that's like operating in sin and you enjoy it and you do it because you want to and you don't care about the consequence, the devil is... And it's, it's almost like we set up a playground for him. The devil comes in and invites all of his friends, and then they just completely take over. And then that's why you need then deliverance. It's one thing to need deliverance, and it's another thing to pray for strength and courage to endure. Deliverance requires surrender. It re- requires you to get help because you've, you've given legal action. So we need a legal system, the heavenly courts. But when you have renounced and you've fought through, and e- even if this is your current situation, it doesn't mean that you cannot get over here to where you're living and you're fighting and you're struggling against darkness to be set free. Most of us started here anyway. <laughs> so don't be discouraged. If you're living here, don't worry. I was there too. Some of us are still here. But does that mean that that is your current and forever situation? No. If you're living in sin and you're willfully knowing that I don't want to do this, but I just don't know how to stop, or I like it too much, or I'm just used to it, or I'm addicted to it, understand that the Lord provides solutions even for the dirtiest of sins. Where the devil tells you you're too dirty, says, God says, don't worry, I'm an expert at washing clean. I use a product called the blood of Christ, and when, I, and, and when I pour it on, everything becomes white as snow as if it never even happened. So I don't remember it, so I don't know what the devil's talking about. So therefore, he cannot operate legally, and you can transition into a righteous way of living. But see, the process is the same. We have to fight. We have to be willing to surrender. And we're so focused on, I can do it, and we beat our chest And we, and we, it's, it's as if we're fighting against the wind. God knows our finished product. We don't. And thank God that we don't see it. When we think, God, this peace does not go here. I'm telling you, God, this is not supposed to be here. It doesn't look right. Remember, God's the one holding the final product. He knows how it's supposed to look. Now, there's some of you sitting here today listening and thinking, oh my goodness, can you hurry up and finish? I'm just, you know, I, I, okay, I get it. I, I get the message. I'll make peace with it. Let me tell you something about making peace with missing pieces. Unless it's done through a process of repentance, you will never find peace. 
Because often pe- people think, well, if I just repeat the phrase, you know, I'll say a prayer, you repeat it, oh, we're all done. It's not how things work. That's how most mega churches do it because, well, they want to make sure that, that their numbers go and they grow and they grow. But the reality is, just because you say a prayer does not mean that its effect is guaranteed. Unless you genuinely repent and come forth before the Lord knowing that your life is in a mess, that your life is not right, that you need to change and correct things, and you're willing and able to do it, don't expect the big change. Man, Kevin, you are doing so good. What happened? It's truth. Truth is not based on a circumstance. Truth is truth. And I'm the type of person that I'd rather tell you that your life is pointed to hell, but that there's a way out than to tell you everything's okay. I refuse to allow the comforts of this world and the comforts of living outside of peace to become a normal standard within you and in this church. If you are the type of person that has been comfortable for so long and you do things simply because you feel the need that you have to and you don't fully commit, church, let me tell you that that is no way to find and walk in peace. Servanthood that is not done willfully is slavery. And last time I checked, slavery was abolished. We don't hold slaves. We want people who serve and who desire God to be their God. There's something that you need to know about your life and your puzzle. You will have missing pieces. At the end of it, everything, in the process, you will end up with missing pieces. Why would God give us incomplete puzzles? Because what he wants to do is occupy the space that is missing. In those really big areas, in those moments where it's literally impossible, God doesn't give you a peace. God gives you faith or the ability to walk in faith. Because he says, if I give you a peace... I will not hold it. And there are areas in our lives where we need God to hold for the rest of our days. And often God will allow us to not see the peace, but we will be able to see his hand. And I'd rather see the hand of God than a piece of a puzzle. Because that is faith. Faith requires you to see when your eyes are closed. Faith requires you to grab when there's nothing in front of you. Faith requires you to trust when it doesn't make sense. And these people of Israel, they had seen so much and endured so much more. 
they suffered. They were slaves to the Egyptians. They were ill-fed, ill-clothed, and lived in what me and you would call slums. They had little huts, little places to sleep in, but their mornings, days, and nights were filled with labor and no recompense. So they worked for nothing, simply to stay alive. If they refused to, they would be beaten until they submitted or died, whichever came first. That was the current condition of the Israelites when Moses received the word of the Lord. Anyone ever felt beaten by life to where you're just to the point of, Lord, I don't know if I can do this any longer? Where you start contemplating ideas, maybe, maybe my life isn't even worth living. And if you're someone that has contemplated suicide before in the past thinking, oh man, my life is just, it's not worth it. My life's not going to change. If you're in this room today or watching in that camera, allow me to tell you that that is a lie from hell itself. That the Lord gives life and life with purpose and meaning. And if you're listening to the sounds of my words, know that the Lord is speaking to you today. And he is telling you that unless you trust and you believe that what he is saying is true, you will never experience peace. Now, how can I make peace with missing pieces? All of these things that we've mentioned today or talked about today and discussed will have no effect in your life. None. Unless it's done from the, your heart. You can mentally think, okay, this sounds pretty good. You, you can even say, okay, I'll do it. But within your heart, if it's left unchecked or unmoved or unchanged, nothing will change. It's, it's not about doing. It's, not, it's not, not about simply a one, two, three step process and you change. It's about the condition of your heart. And some of us are so poisoned and we cannot take off the, the, uh, the familiarity filter that you see me and you say, oh, that's just, ah, that's just my brother-in-law. Ah, that's just the pastor's son. Oh, what does he know? He's just too young. Believe me, I've heard, I've heard them all. But at the end of the day, the Lord chooses the most ill-equipped vessels for his messages. I consider myself an ill-equipped vessel. Because I identify with Moses. Moses was, did, did not want to be the one. Moses had a stuttering problem. And God called him to be his voice. <laughs> Where Moses would talk to God saying, I, I, why me? And one day, Moses was arguing with God. And God said, you know what, Moses? I'm going to call your brother. So... You're going to tell him what you want to say, and then he's going to say it, but that's not going to last forever. Because Moses needed to understand that he was an ill-equipped vessel in the hands of a perfect God. And that's what you and I are today. We are ill-equipped vessels in the hands of a perfect God. And there is nothing that me and you can do that will make us qualified enough 
to deserve his calling. Church, again, we received it by grace. What we deserved was hell, but what we got was purpose. Do not be like the people of Israel that ignored the message of freedom simply because what was being said did not match with what was being seen. Unless our vision is renewed through repentance of the heart and we choose to see God in action, we will always hold resentment in our hearts and not peace. There is a reason why we hold resentment in our hearts and not in our minds. Our minds might forget, but when we hold it here, mm -mm, you did it to me. Lord, you promised and you didn't come through. I will never trust in you again. But see, your story is still being written. It's still being laid out in front of you. The people of Israel, thankfully, their story did not end there. Exodus chapter 6 was not the end of the people of Israel. <laughs> their, their story transitioned and continued. And though they learned well at times and other times, they did not. But at the end of the day, God would always say about them, they are my people. I will be their God. Their circumstance didn't change what God spoke over them. Your circumstance does not dictate what the Lord has said about you and what he has said about me. So I don't give you permission to self-loathe anymore. I don't give you permission to have pity parties about how hard your life is. I don't, and I will not allow you to walk with your head in the sand thinking that God cannot do it in me, so I'm going to quit. Know that you will not be allowed to be comfortable any longer. Understand that as long as there is breath in my lungs and God sits on his throne. He will never allow you to live in comfort when you choose to walk in peace. It's funny how that works. We're called to walk in peace outside of our comfort. That's why Jesus was, to, was able to be asleep in the storm. But the disciples were freaking out. Because, see, Jesus understood that my peace dictates my circumstance. My circumstance does not dictate my peace. Come on, come on. Because that's good. That is fresh from heaven. So what did Jesus do as a, as a reflection of this revelation? He woke up. Peace be still. He didn't panic. All right, guys, grab on. Get ready for the storm. Mm -mm. My peace, the peace of my Father, dictates my atmosphere. It dictates my situation. I don't have enough. Lord, you are enough. I'm not going to make it. Lord, you've already made the bridge. How is it going to happen? Lord, you're the one with the pen. You're writing the story. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. The devil will hold you in anxiety and fear to recondition your mind into thinking that that is what God has for you. 
and that's false. People who walk in peace live within the realm of joy that surpasses understanding. Peace is not the absence of distress. It is simply the means to know God will see you through it. So how do we find or how do we make peace with the missing pieces? Repentance. Repentance is the only way for transformation. If you feel that, no, you know, I'm, I'm okay with God. I'm pretty good. I've already repented of my sins and accepted Christ into my heart, and I prayed the prayer. Yikes. Because truth is, I, I, I repent almost daily, if not daily. So if you think one repentance pill is enough, <laughs> oh, church, do we need God? Boy, do we need Jesus. So it is my prayer that you understand the importance and the power found in repentance. Not repentance up here. This is not going to do anything. This doesn't matter. Whatever you know here doesn't help because repentance comes from your heart. When you choose to repent, it's because you're choosing that you will not do what you've done before. You're choosing to actively engage in the purpose and the will of God. I don't know enough. I've never done this before. That's okay. We were all there. I was there. The disciples in the early church were there. You think Peter knew how to lead a church? You, you think he knew that? And, and this is something that I'll mention quickly that Pastor mentioned to us on Friday prayer morning. Um, Peter cut the ear off of one of the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. Now, do you think Peter was aiming for the ear? Or was he aiming for the head? Even Jesus next to him, Peter was still Peter. Quick to anger. Slow to think. So within Peter, as Pastor mentions, there was that intention to kill. Is that loving your neighbor? And even like that, Jesus said, Peter, tend to my sheep. Be the leader I've called you to be. Peter was still being processed even to the point of crucifixion of Christ. The same Peter that denied Jesus was the same Peter that was infused with the Holy Spirit and 5,000 people, 3,000 people, 8,000 people were radically transformed at Pentecost because what was spoken over him didn't change just because of his circumstance or his mistakes. So I charge you and challenge you, church. The days are numbered and the end is near. Draw close and draw near where, while we still can. Don't sit comfortably in that chair thinking that the Lord will bring you on a silver platter. Seek. And the beautiful thing about that is we're promised that when we seek, we will find.